Hey, what's up everybody? My name's MJ and you're listening to the MTG in Quarantine Podcast. As usual, I'd like to give a quick shout out before we begin to my local game store, Guardian Games. You can find Guardian Games on the web at ggportland.com. I'd also like to utilize this opportunity to give a huge shout out and thank you to all the awesome people who've supported me over at patreon.com slash MTG in Quarantine. So, huge shout-outs to Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Draco Lucian, Neo Royal, Nick S, Infamous Fridge, Frugal Brutal, and Jen of the Filthy MTG Casuals for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash mtgandquarantine for more information. Today's episode of the podcast is another in the Noah Brewer series, where I'm bringing amazing content creators and community guests on to talk about their own unique brewing process. Obviously, a couple of months ago, I did an entire episode on my own deck building process and figured it'd actually make a lot of sense to ask the same questions of a lot of great people out there in the community. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce today's guest who's new to the show, Justin, aka Six. Welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. Thank you for uh, allowing me to be here. Uh, if if anyone is listening is interested in finding more of my stuff, I make uh, some arena content over on YouTube uh, at MTG6, which is also my Twitter profile, where I tweet random nonsense. Uh, in my Twitter profile, you'll also find a link tree, which is the easiest way to find the rest of my stuff. Main place is YouTube uh, at MTG6. Sounds good. Sounds good. So, uh, Justin... Basically, like I said at the beginning of the show here, we're going to be walking through how you build your own personal decks, EDH decks. Everyone builds theirs a little bit differently, and really what we're here to here to find out is how you go through the process from choosing your commander or the theme that you would like to start with, basically however you'd like to start your deck, and then kind of the process you go through for figuring out how you're going to go from that one or maybe handful of cards all the way to 100 cards, probably then sleeved and then played in a game. So let's just get started, shall we? Um, so when you decide to say, hey, I really like that, you know, legendary creature, or I want to do this exact strategy, you know, here's a couple of cards I want to play. How do you basically get that first step? Is, is it something like, hey, you go on to maybe EDH rack or something like that and say, hey, this looks really cool for X deck that I want to build. Or is it something like uh, you have a card in your collection, you just kind of feel like you need to build around it. I'm just curious to know what the first steps of your process for building are. So that has changed quite a bit um, through time. Uh, it used to be that uh, I would kind of get the precon decks and build from there. Uh, however, since I started to be one of those nutsos who likes to have one of each of the color combinations, um, essentially I have solidified on the color combinations um, that I like have, which is about, I think, half of it, roughly half. And at this point, I have to, I, what I do is I look at the color combinations that I have missing and I either say what about this color combination interests me or I head over to EDHREC and look at the commanders that are in those color combinations. So for one, one example, I don't have a blue-red commander, an it commander. Um, and the main reason for that is I don't like any of the it commanders currently. Uh, Red-blue is actually my least favorite color, uh, uh, color combination. And so... At presence, I don't have uh, a blue-red commander. However, I also don't have a green-blue commander. But as soon as Coma uh, Cern came out, I was like, this, this is what I want to build, right? This is the blue-green that's for me. So uh, it really does depend on 
uh, kind of like what is available in that color pie. Uh, for my blue-black commander deck, it didn't start with the color, or sorry, it didn't start with the commander, but I thought, what in blue-black is interesting to me? And I thought, well, there are a lot of horrors and nightmares in blue-black, so I decided to make a Lovecraftian deck. And then I, then after that, I was like, okay, that's my decision. Then I looked at the commanders and thought, which of these feels the most Lovecraftian? And I actually currently have Rexiel, but I'm probably going to end up changing that because there have been some interesting uh, blue-black nightmares recently. Definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, nightmares have, and horrors have gotten a lot of tribal support out of the new Innistrad sets especially. So yeah, yeah a lot of interesting stuff to pick through. So yeah, it, it's interesting to, to basically go, go like you are there with the different color combinations and you are trying to build one of each type. I have tried doing something like that, but uh, I'm, once I get to three-color uh, decks or more, I start kind of falling apart a little bit. It, it just, for me, mm. it, it's difficult to build three or four or five-color decks. I, I don't know why, it just is. So uh, props to you for being able to, to definitely go through with that, because that's a lot of decks and a lot of brewing right there. Well, I think one of the main issues um, with building three-color decks that or even just, like, brewing through color decks, right, is just the fact that there are so few um, available commanders for them, uh, especially when you kind of, like, take out the partners. It's not that I mm -hmm. dislike partners. I actually have one, two, like, three partner decks, I think. Um, it's just that I, you only want, or at least I, only want to play a certain number of partners. So, the like, the natural three-color commanders, there just aren't a ton. And a lot of the times... They do very similar things. For example, Jund. I currently don't have a Jund deck, but to play a Jund deck, it's almost all—it's almost entirely uh, a sacrifice deck or a lands deck. And I don't really like either of those. That's definitely fair, and you're right. Jund definitely kind of falls under that uh, uh, box of you know, like this is what Jund is, this is what Jund does, and you know, it's definitely difficult to try to break out of that format. And I and I do agree. Yes, so a lot of the shards do have this that same sort of issue with them. Yeah, I'm really hoping that um, the new new Capenna is about the shards again, so we can get a lot more shard commanders, especially if we can get a shard commander for every uh, or a demon shard commander. Because mm -hmm. I like for each of them, because I think that'd be hilarious. Because I, if I recall correctly, the wizards have said that like New Capenna is going to be like five demon lords or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and it would just be hilarious to see like what a Bant demon would look like. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that that would be really funny. There, there are definitely some that don't fit uh, demons whatsoever. Basically, everything that doesn't have black in it, I suppose. Right. So, right. Yeah. So, so, so we'll find out there. And and again, I don't remember if it's shards or wedges or if they haven't said. They just mentioned that they'll be three said. colors. Yeah. So I'm 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 fully expecting uh, a few things, but again, that's a whole another video right there. So or a whole, whole oh, another episode sure. right there. So. Anyway, now that you have, in your process, you've decided, okay, this is your color combination or this is your commander, um, how do you basically go through your process? Let's walk through your process for, you know, really honing in on your strategy and then kind of just going to, from that one to a couple of cards to then ending up with 100. Right, so uh, again, that kind of depends. So I think I have, like, kind of three build avenues, right? So there's the... Um... There's the mechanical, there's the thematic, uh, and then there's just the, I want to make a good deck. <laughs> that that one uh, does not happen very frequently. <laughs> but so for, for the mechanical, right, I'll very frequently reference a lot of EDH rec. 
because even though I've been playing the game since uh, 2005, God, um, I don't know all of the cards. So uh, a mechanical deck uh, that I have is Daxos, right? That's all about, uh, I have the, the return Daxos, the enchantment one. So I don't know all of the good white and black enchantments. So I will like go to EDH Rack, I'll look at the Daxos deck and I'll see kind of like what cards are being played that I might not have thought of. And then I'll also just go to Scryfall, and and I, I do this I do this with all of my deck building, not just EDH. I also do this with like Arena and everything. I look at all of the possible cards <laughs> that could be in a deck. So I will legitimately go for, for Daxos. I I did this. Um, I went to Scryfall, and then I did two searches: one for Typeline Enchantment, bl uh, white black uh, Commander color identity, and then Legal and Commander. And I searched and I looked at all of those. And then I did the same thing for text. If it had enchantment, uh, was legal in commander and had a white black color identity, I would look through every single one of those cards and I would essentially just compile a list of these are the cards that I'm considering. Like even if even if I'm relatively certain, like 90% sure that I'm not going to play this card in the uh, in the 99, I will still add it because I'm not sure. Like it might have some sort of um, interaction with a card that I find later on. So I end up having a pile of uh, depending on the mechanics, uh, the mechanical uh, support that Wizards has shown, I can end up with a set of like a thousand cards, and then I slowly whittle it down, and it takes me forever. Once I hit about two hundred, the last like twenty cards are the worst. Yeah, definitely. I I always find that I end up with about like a hundred and twenty or so. I I'd say it's like. You know, here's the 50 cards that I know I want. Here's like 15 to 20 flex cards, you know, kind of personal favorite pet cards, et cetera, et cetera. And then just here's 20 that can kind of go either way. And yeah, so 200 sounds, uh, you know, absurdly high for me. But again, it seems to be fairly common, especially if you're not quite sure what you want to do and you can go in so many different directions. Well, I think another reason I end up building the way I build is because I enjoy... Uh, running cards that I've not interacted with very frequently or cards that I know that many other people haven't interacted with frequently. So EDH Rec is kind of the, this is where I go to get the staple cards, right? These are these are the 50 or so cards that essentially have to go in the deck if I want it to be decent, if I want it to be able to operate properly. And then when I go through my huge Scryfall search, I'm able to look at cards that are, you know, a little bit less played or... Um, Maybe they are uh, similar in operation to a card that's heavily played, but it does something slightly differently, or it might even just be, like, minorly worse. It's just not seen as frequently. And I, I like playing with uh, cards in Commander that just aren't used as often. Um, I don't know. I, I, find, I find some sort of enjoyment for that. But again, that's, that's only when I'm looking at uh, mechanical or flavorful cards. When I'm building a deck to, like, build a good deck, I tend to just kind of look at all of the things that are being played and then I compile a list of just these are like the 150 so cards that are being played what are the 100 that I want to play definitely definitely and and definitely here on the show I'm not trying to say anything about like hey you should brew only the cards you have in your collection or you should you know if there's anything wrong with looking on EDH track obviously everyone's process is different 
you know, the EDH rec is a very valid tool. I mean, I do utilize it a lot myself, maybe not as much as I used to, but that and Scryfall have been my go-tos as well, just to be able to find out what's out there. Because there's almost, what, 30,000 cards now in Magic's history? There's always something that's really, you know, kind of flying under the radar there. But yeah. maybe it's flying under the radar for a reason, too, is, you know, maybe it doesn't necessarily work the, the best in your deck. And yeah. if you're trying to optimize something, yeah, you, you definitely want to make sure it's like, hey, I, my commander does X, I'm trying to do X theme, you know, we want to make sure that we're hitting everything we can the the best way, the fastest the way that we can. So, yeah. you know, sometimes the pet cards just don't fit in there. And that, again, every style of building is perfectly okay. That's why we love EDH, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and when it comes to the mechanical side of, uh, or the mechanical deck building that I do, um, generally speaking, I don't play as many pet cards. I will play niche cards, uh, but when it comes to the thematic decks that I build, um, those are essentially bad decks. Because I I generally don't care about winning games of Commander. What I care about is cool stuff happening at the table. And if I build a deck that is really good, that happens to do cool stuff, that's great. So um, I have a Law & Order deck. I love the show Law & Order SVU. Uh, watched it a ton probably when I was too young to be watching it but I watched it a ton and so what I did was I was like I'm going to build a deck based on a tv show that I enjoyed it's a law and order deck it's helmed by Lavinia and every single card that is not a land or I think mana ramp like just the artifacts um every single card in there is a reference to the legal process in some way so I'm playing objectively bad cards but I'm doing so because it makes the deck more cohesive, right? I it is obvious that I'm playing a deck where um, there's a there's a heavy theme. So I'm pulling up my deck right now just to to give like the the probably worst card that I'm actually playing in the deck. Um, I used to be playing arrest, but it's possible I'm not playing arrest anymore. Okay, it does not look like I'm playing arrest anymore. Um, but you know I'm playing things like. Uh, <laughs> I guess Crackdown kind of is good, but I'm playing Keen-Eared Keen Sentry, right? An, an uncommon from Avengers of the Forgotten Realms. That, sure, it gives you Hexproof. Yeah, whatever. Each opponent can't venture into the dungeon more than once each turn. That's never going to come up. Mm -hmm. But it makes it makes the deck feel more like um, the, the deck that I'm going for. So when it comes to the... Um, mechanical deck building there's a lot fewer of those when it comes to the thematic deck building um it actually is much harder uh, as well because now i'm not looking for something that's easily searchable right with daxos i gotta look for enchantments um with scorpion god i gotta look for minus one minus one counters by the way wizards of the coast needs to print more cards that care about minus one minus one counters i'm sick of this plus one plus one counter nonsense Ooh. it's garbage uh no it's just it's very frustrating because there are so many cards with plus one plus one counters there are a a, a small amount of minus one minus one counters like with with uh scorpion god i felt like i had to uh had to add more cards to finish the deck whereas the majority of the time i have to remove a ton of cards so um but when it comes to searching for the thematic decks it, it's hard right because now you're you're not looking necessarily for um for you know keywords or whatever you're going to be looking for just like words in the text box or you're going to be hoping that scryfall has um uh, one of those systems as one of the tags, right? Because I think one of their tags is like people with hats or something. Mm -hmm. um, but you can find some other tags in there. But, you know, when I was building Lavinia, um, I had to... 
I had to just, like, go to a dictionary and write down a bunch of words that are law-related. You know, I looked up all of the cards that had authority, um, all of the cards that had investigate, uh, somewhere in the name, um, arbitration, um, you know, martial law, any, anything like that, right? Any any kind of card that sounded, or, or any kind of word that sounded reasonably um, associated with the law, and it was much more difficult to find cards. But when I do, when you do find cards that way, you'll find even more gems, right? Because then you're not, again, you're not looking for this mechanical thing. You're you're going to be able to find something that um, just is not is not necessarily going to be played as much, or isn't played as much anymore. So one of the board wipes I'm playing in uh, in this deck is Final Judgment. That was a card that used to be played constantly. I don't, I don't know uh, your your full history with uh, with EDH, but um, that card used to be great because of the talk rules. Used to be different, right? If you mm-hmm. um, if you exiled a bunch of things, it would be great. Um, and and so like that was back when Magic didn't have nearly as much exile removal. So being able to exile something was great. And then uh, Wizards printed better and better board wipes, better and better exile effects. And so it's not played nearly as much anymore. I actually see it all the time in my personal play group. So really, yeah, That's I nice. do. That's awesome. <laughs> well, because because it's one of the ways to obviously be able to get around uh, indestructible things. I think that's why I see it a lot. So, so yeah, it, it just, Wizards is printing more indestructible cards. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I just find it interesting that yes, it may not be the best way to deal with it, but I I see it a lot more than most people do. So it's <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah, so I, I I tend to gravitate towards um, towards cards like that, and it's it's really fun to I, one of one of my goals in deck building, right? When I when I set out mm-hmm. to make a deck, right, mm-hmm. I could theoretically choose a blue commander, choose the you know forty eight cards <laughs> that well, I guess wouldn't be forty eight. But yeah, no, it'd be like forty. Uh, the forty cards that are just literally the best in that color, and then pick the remaining cards that work with that specific commander, and boom, I'm done. But it doesn't feel. And again, not knocking anyone who prefers to play uh, build or play decks this way, but for me, it doesn't feel. Uh, it doesn't feel very fulfilling when I'm not like putting my own meanness into the into the deck right i want to purpose purposefully restrict myself restrict my um my card choices such that the decks feel more mine mm-hmm. right my 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 l deck is not going to be the same as the majority of people of my l decks because i i made an active decision to only put in big beefy creatures that my l herself would worship right there oh, are interesting people, there aren't there aren't dragons in that deck there are Beasts, gods, worms, uh, dinosaurs, things like that. Things that Mael, the character, would want to put out. Um, for what it's worth, I also have a version of that deck that uses Eldrazi. Because sometimes you want to make people uh, uh, pay for what they've done in previous games. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Mael with uh, with Eldrazi, that, that is a... That's a powerful deck right there. I, I can definitely see why you'd want to to bring that out, like last game of the night. You know, just bringing the beats with the giant uh, squid tentacle things. And I, I do love I do a love Eldrazi. Um, I, I I mean, you're a fan as well. I assume based on your uh, avatar. Uh, I mean, I I'm not gonna say no, but I actually uh, haven't built an Eldrazi deck before. It's, um, 
yeah, there, there's kind of a story behind the logo, but again, that's for for another day. But yeah, I, I, I do think the Eldrazi are interesting, definitely, especially for the like the design space. So yeah, I, I can see how that's really powerful. Yes. Okay, and I think uh, how we're gonna wrap up today is just kind of asking, you know, now that you've gone through your process of building, you've talked us through how you started and your whole process for building the deck. Now you have the deck. You know, there you can play some games with it. What is your uh, kind of game process here? And do you decide to try to make changes over time as you play more games? Or are you kind of just going to stick with what you have? So <laughs> because I have so many decks, um, I only keep updated in physical space a few of them. Um, because if I was updating them constantly with each set release that Wizards keeps pumping out, like freaking Madman, uh, I would be bankrupt a thousand times over. Theoretically, I could proxy. I have a printer, and I have the capability of proxying. Um, I'm just lazy, and I <laughs> haven't, like, really dived into it yet, because, again, I have so many decks, there are so many cards I have to proxy. Um, but I play, uh, let's see, I play on a system in which I am able to uh, play with my friends uh, who are far away, who uh, may or may not have the ability to use something like Spell Table. Uh, and in doing so, it allows me to play with uh, more of my decks more frequently, and I will absolutely make changes. Like, if, I, if I'm playing a card, even if it's a, like a single game, if I'm playing a card and I recognize, like, I mean, this card is bad in this situation, and, you know, if I, in my mind, modify some of the variables to make the situation different, and it still would be bad, I'll, I will, like that, replace it. Um, I do have some pet cards in decks that I, like, will refuse to take out, but for the most part, I'm not married to any individual card if it's not doing what I want it to do. Um, so, and, and again, that that really differs based on the way that the, that specific deck was constructed, right? So if I'm playing my eight and a half tails, uh, mono white, eight, uh, death and taxes deck, I'm going to be playing, like, that's, that's one of those decks that I built to be good against good decks right De the death and taxes deck not great against uh quote-unquote bad decks uh, or lower power decks because it can't like you can't punish what your opponent isn't being cheeky about doing so if a card in there uh is just like not performing it's gone and i'm gonna replace it with a card that is a better tax card if but a card in the lavinia deck that's not going to go if it's like weak in a, situ a situation it's going to go if it feels like it's not adding to uh, you know the story of Law and Order that I'm uh, that I'm building that game, mm -hmm. right? So it really does depend on on the goal of the deck to determine how exactly I add and remove cards. Uh, but yeah, in terms of playing, uh, I I use a uh, I, I use a uh, program which shall not be named uh, for legal reasons. Yeah, that, that's definitely fair. Okay, <laughs> so ah uh, yeah, so before we end here, I there's I have one more question, Justin. Uh, so we've talked about some of your favorite decks here. So I'm going to ask you, is there a really spicy new brew you're working on right now or have worked on recently that you just want to share with the listeners out there? So it's not it's not spicy and it's not new, um, but I do not have a... Um, I have an Oathbreaker deck. I have a Tiny Leaders deck. I don't have a CEDH deck. Okay. And I was trying to think, like, I want to have a deck for CEDH. Um, just because, you know, it, it seems to be getting a little bit more popular. Um, if nothing else, uh, the popularity is becoming more vocal, which I think is great. Um, 
So I was like, I want to, I want to try and make one of these. And then it was like, I don't know what I want to build, right? Because I am not the biggest fan of combo decks because my brain too small for that. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's not, but I just, I just don't, I, I don't like dealing with it. Yeah, I, 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 I do like agree playing with combo decks from time to time. It's just like I don't, I don't want. They I don't can want, be complicated very complicated very yeah. quickly it, it's the same for me when i built my uh, cdh deck a few months ago basically did a homebrew uh, I, I was basically right in your same exact position and i, and I decided to kind of go the homebrew route and then realized you know once i'm in game you know all those combos that i thought i knew how to play all of a sudden they just escape my brain i'm just kind of sitting here with yeah. cards and i don't know what to do with it i'm scared <laughs> i, I got gotcha. you yeah i i after a long session of uh, EDH games, I don't have the mental uh, the, the mental energy reserves to allow me to do that. But I, you know, I wanted to I wanted to play it, and uh, I knew that this would be an opportunity for me to play one of the color combinations I don't have uh, I don't have yet in an environment in which I don't care as much about the commander necessarily. So then I thought, okay, what are the color combinations that would probably be fun for me i didn't want to do a, a monocolor deck because i didn't think a monocolor deck would be super great with the ones i had left blue red and green are the only monocolor decks that uh well i mean they're, they're three out of five but those monocolor decks i don't have i didn't want to do any of those for cedh with two color it was blue red and i was like i'm not i'm not doing that uh black green i'm saving because i'm certain there's going to be a, a black green deck out for for me at some point and then uh green blue i just started uh building coma so then I went to three colors, and the first one that stood out to me was Bants, green, white, and blue, because I play a lot of Death and Taxes in essentially every format I can play it in. Um, in Historic, I love it, and the best colors for Death and Taxes generally, besides, you know, being mono-white, are white, blue, and white, green, at least in on Arena. So I thought, hey, let's play Bant, Death, and Taxes. So I'm very slowly starting the process of building a Bant, Death, and Taxes list, and I think that the best commander for that would be Doretti. But again, I'm not entirely sure. I just know that I'm playing Bant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, um, for as much as I do know, Doretti used to be one of those T1 CDH commanders because you could basically infinitely combo with about, uh, you know, the kitchen sink, effectively. Right. The tap, untap, tap, untap. So, I mean, you're definitely going in the right direction there. You know, Justin, if you're interested... Uh, the CDH community has the CDH deck database, and I know that there's a Drevi list on there somewhere. I have seen a, I have seen a few, and then it was like, you know, I've played Death and Taxes for so long, um, in, you know, I, I've played it, uh, on paper in Modern for a long time, uh, I've, I've played a version in Standard multiple times when, uh, it was potentially available. I've played it in Historic, essentially since, uh, I had the ability to on Arena. Uh, when enough cards were presented. And I've technically played it in both Vintage and Legacy. So I've played Death and Taxes enough that I I had been looking at it and I decided I'm just going to like go through. <laughs> this is why it's spicy. I'm just going to go through literally every single card in, uh, in that color identity and add them to a giant list of Death and Taxes style cards and then uh, make the deck that way. <laughs> Because that's what I do. I torture myself by by finding literally every single card that I would consider for a banned death and taxes list, and then I whittle it down. So that's the spicy brew. 
Yeah, definitely. All right. So, <laughs> all right, Justin, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. It's been great having you. It's been great just, you know, talking about your creative process, you know, going starting at the very beginning, going through the whole process, then just getting to the end there and just, you know, getting to hear about your decks and your playing and brewing personality in the process. Thanks. I, I really appreciate uh, being on. It's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to talk about magic. Oh, it definitely is. That's why I have the podcast, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, so you have a Twitch channel. Do you want to tell the listeners again where they can find that? Sure. So, um, right now, and I, I've, I've been doing rebranding because, like, my name used to be Theric6. Uh, yeah, have fun spelling that. Uh, so, it used to be Theric6, and a lot of it is based on uh, my love for the Frexians, uh, specifically uh, Jingataxius and Scythrix the Blight Dragon. But uh, I've been doing some rebranding, and I'm, I'm slowly making it just to be six. It's just, you know, spe uh, pronounced like the number with a Y instead of an I. Uh, but right now on Twitch, because they were being annoying, uh, I am six streaming, which is, again, just SYX streaming. And I play s Saturdays and Sundays. Saturdays, I will I play uh, Magic the Gathering. Uh, and then Sundays, I play whatever the heck I want. Recently, it's been uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, it's been Slay the Spire. Lodge Slay the Spire. Do love me some uh, card games, obviously. Uh, and then I also stream on my YouTube channel at MTG6 uh, on Wednesdays. And that is almost entirely uh, Nicol Bolas, uh control decks in Historic, Death and Taxes deck in Historic. And then I play with viewers both Saturdays and Wednesdays because I like playing with people who like playing with me. Sounds good. Sounds good. And if you're interested in hearing any of the previous Noah Brewer series episodes or any of the podcasts I've done previously on the MTG and Quarantine podcast, you can find those on the usual podcast outlets. That's your Google, Apple, Spotify, CastBox, RocketCast, Podbean, and a ton of other ones. So if it's a major podcast outlet, odds are I'm probably on there. I'd also like to utilize this opportunity again to give another huge shout out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over at patreon.com slash Quarantine. So a huge shout out and thank you again to Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Draco Lucian, Neo Royal, Nick S, Infamous Fridge, Frugal Brutal, and Jen of the Filthy MTG Casuals for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash mtjanequarantine for more information. And I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the MTJ in Quarantine podcast. My name's MJ. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.